0: All right guys, just wanted to uh, introduce you guys again to Josh Land here, uh, one of my preferred uh, mortgage providers. Uh, He does a great job for my clients. He had that uh, $2,000 grant program that we talked about in our previous video. But now we really need to dive into what is needed to get you that pre-approval letter. Um, Why is it so important in today's market to have that when you start writing up an offer? uh, we're starting at this point because this is truly the first point that you need to um, look into when you're thinking about buying a house, uh, refinancing your house, or anything. Like, uh, you really got to um, grab your mortgage broker. You got to talk to your agent. Um, this is step number one. I want to let uh, Josh kind of take uh, take the reins here uh, yeah. with what, what do you actually need? um to your pre-approval letter
1: yeah i mean to your point uh this should be the first step in the process because one of the most frustrating things in a process can be you know looking at something that you end up finding out is outside of your price range um and it can be tough then because it's hard to go backwards from that point right um so i think understanding what your true buying power is when you start this process is really important um and I think that's one thing that can differentiate you know myself from a you know national mortgage company um, that's just going off of stated income initially I want to get a true pre-qualification for you guys and that's important for a variety of reasons but basically the most important reason and throughout this entire process nobody likes surprises right so have a true understanding of what that buying power is so again it's fairly easy if you're a w2 employee we're talking typically 30 days pay stubs and two years w2s and at that point when you go self-employed or otherwise it can get a little bit more tricky uh, to be able to prove that but i think that's the important piece that you need to think about um, is making sure you truly understand what you're qualified for Um, and you know that's making sure we have everything done uh, on, on the upfront phase, and self-employed, um, making sure we've got the got two years taxes. We understand what you wrote off, what we can potentially add back in to make sure we are truly getting you qualified for uh, the amount that you're looking for.
0: And probably as you saw, he looked directly at me every time he <laughs> talked about self-employed. See, like uh, as a real estate agent um, when you make that transition um, I'm now uh technically full time self employed so when it comes down to it um, uh, dive a little bit deeper the w is a little simpler showing that proof of funds um, uh we'll, we'll start there uh, when you, when you're looking at the proof of funds are um, can only the can you look at just the husband's side of things or um to make it, what would make it the best interest to only look at half of yeah. the income compared to both the husband and wife?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we can look at, right? And some of that, I think most importantly, what's important to you? What are you trying to accomplish here with this home purchase? Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, we can, we can certainly look at, at husband or wife individually. Um, you know, that, that may make sense if, You know, if one either husband or wife can qualify on their own and the significant other has, you know, a credit history issue um, where, you know, they're going to have to have a higher interest rate if we have them on the loan. If we can get them qualified individually, we'll certainly look at that Uh, in the state of Nebraska, husband and wife, uh, obviously, you know, they still own the property together but that doesn't mean they both have to be on the loan Um, so that that's a very very good point but there are situations where it does make sense even for a husband and wife to look at doing financing separately
0: yeah and that's kind of uh, kind of piggyback piggybacking off that is that Nebraska is one of those um, survivor strict uh, rights and survivorship states Um, where essentially, no, if your husband buys the house, um, before you're married, as soon as you get married, um, if something happens to either spouse, um, the other spouse gets 100% equity on the house. So the husband bought it by himself, um, through title two years before you got married, but then you got married, um, and the husband, um, uh, passes away or, uh, is no longer here. Um the wife now takes control of it, even though she was not on the title, even though she was not on the original loan. Um, she is the the survivor of the relationship and she takes control of it. Um, what are, so past the W2 form? so what are some of the things that you're looking for? What do you advise, um, people to, um, start putting together for you? Um, for for your first meeting so that no one's surprised like, oh, I left that back in my in my piggy bank. Mm-hmm. Right. Our...
1: Yeah, so uh, on an initial meeting, uh, again, we talked about 30 days pay stubs. So if you're paid once a month like a teacher, um, at least one pay stub. If you're paid every other week, you know, three pay stubs at that point, two years W-2s. Uh, it'd also be helpful to have two months' worth of bank statements, for the account that the down payment for the house is going to come in. So, um, we need two months worth to just kind of get an understanding of, you know, the deposits and the credits that came out of that account. Um, in most scenarios, it's okay to have a gift for financing, but we do have to know kind of where that comes from. Um, and so that's something that we would certainly talk to you about. Um, and then, obviously, having IDs as well, um, making copies of those on an initial, you know, initial conversation, so we have that down the down the road. But the biggest things, at least to get a initial prequalification, is you know verifying the income, how much you're making gross. Uh, it it is gross, so pre tax what you're making, um, and then you know, doing that credit check, making sure we have a full understanding of the credit situation, where, uh, where you're at credit score wise, and then obviously, you know, what besides this new mortgage you have that you're paying on on a monthly basis, whether that be credit cards, you know, an auto loan, otherwise, to determine your debt to income ratio and what we are truly calling kind of your buying power for this home purchase.
0: Um, with that uh, credit check that we're talking about, um, I bet people always come in and they're just like, "Well, I did this free credit report yeah. on all that stuff, credit um, karma, Credit karma, yeah. all that sure. stuff." Um, what what's your what happens during those conversations? Is it exact every time? Is there a difference yeah. in what what actually com- what's actually true? Sure, I mean.
1: It's never going to be exact every time. I mean, I think it's a good barometer. I do think it's a good idea for you to have an idea of where you're sitting with your credit, really, at any point, right? What what goes into that? Um, what we're going to look at, obviously, we're going to look at all three credit bureaus. We're going to take the middle score of the three credit bureaus. Um, and if it is husband and wife, we take the lower of the two scores. So it is important when you're looking at your financing situation, it doesn't, you know, It's great if one of you one of you has an 825 credit score, but the other has a 650. I mean, it's important that you're both keeping up on your credit. Um, And there's certain things, too, um, that we can talk to people about if they're looking to get pre-qualified. There's some recommendations we can make to help you, you know, boost your credit. Um, Can't guarantee anything, but by doing X, y and Z, you know we have a pretty good chance of seeing your scores raise which will in turn you know qualify you for this lower interest rate so there's a lot of things that we can do and kind of talk you through and coach you through to make sure again you're getting the best interest rate and in turn spending as little on interest over the life of the loan on this home purchase and
0: with that all being said like, um, we're going to switch over to that self-employed because um, that kind of covers the basics on um, like uh, being employed you have your employer you get those monthly weekly uh, bi-weekly pay stubs but uh, say you're like me you're self-employed or, or you're looking into becoming self-employed uh, but your your future does include purchasing a house helping uh, build your equity that way uh, we talked about well. Uh, we have to prove two years of income. It's not so much a one month pay stub because um, in real estate, I mean, everyone knows it starts to pick up during the summer and then it cools off a little during the winter. You wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have thought that with how the market's been now, but um, can you kind of walk us through why you guys need um, that two year and how, how you really look at the numbers and um, how, how someone who's self-employed such myself can get that pre-approval letter and buy a house. Yeah.
1: I mean, absolutely. So when you're looking at, I mean, the reasons why we need to, you know, two full years taxes is obviously, um, uh, we, we need a full snapshot as to kind of what came in, um, from the business or in your case, you know, how many houses you sell this year, John, but, <laughs> um, we need to have an idea where that's at. And then also, um. Uh, what's being written off again by getting the full taxes um able to there are some things that we're able to add back in that are written off of your adjusted gross income uh, so and, and not in not in all cases we may not need two years uh, but i always like to have people bring in two years w-2s two years full taxes in the case that we do need it uh, but other than other than the taxes i mean that's the that's the biggest difference you're going to see from the self employed and then throughout that process depending on what time of year we're doing um we're also going to look for a profit and loss statement of some kind showing you know that uh, with this business you're kind of still on track to make a similar amount in 2021 so to kind of get an idea of where you're sitting uh, from that standpoint, too. So, with a with a pay stub or a W-2, uh, excuse me, a pay stub for a traditional employee, it's going to show kind of a year-to-date earnings, right? And this profit and loss statement is a way for us to kind of verify the the same thing for a self-employed individual.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, that's a lot of things that um, I had. I mean, I switched over. There's a lot of information that I've learned um, from uh, from Josh about uh, going self-employed because I, I did not know about that. And people that are looking at that transition and stuff, there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of jobs that you would not expect to be self-employed. I mean, you could be an electrician, you could be a plumber, you could be a handyman. Um, you look at guys that do lawn services and stuff. Um, they're outside contractors and, you know, hundreds of them thousands of them across Omaha. Um, now that, uh, we kind of talked about what you need to bring to the table, uh, for that first meeting, uh, uh let's go into a little bit how that meeting goes. Uh, like how do we approach people? Like, are we going to tell them, you're pre-approved for 230, so we're going to buy you a house at 230. Yeah. Or how's that conversation going to go with you?
1: No, again. So I think that's a that's a really good point. Basically, you know, what are you wanting out of this process, right? Um, at the end of the day, probably what's most important to most of you is what am I going to be paying a month, right? Um, and I I like to have that conversation with people because just just because I can get you approved for you know, $300,000 doesn't necessarily mean that that's a payment that you're comfortable with just because your debt to income ratio says that you're you're comfortable there. And there's a lot of things that go into your payment, right? Um, you've got your principal and interest on the actual loan itself. You have the items that would go into an escrow account if you're escrowing, your taxes, your homeowner's, homeowners insurance premiums, You may have private mortgage insurance if you aren't putting 20% down. So there's a lot of things that affect that payment. And I like to be able to have a conversation and really try to understand where are you going to feel comfortable on a monthly basis with a payment? And it helps me to start to kind of build a picture. I have an idea based on the price range that you're going to be in, what your taxes are gonna be if you're in Douglas County or if you're in Sarpy County. Um, If you're gonna be in an outlier county, I mean, we can figure out an idea on kind of where you're going to be and then where you're going to be with your homeowners insurance premiums. But it's important to be able to have that conversation and just really find out what your expectation is, what you're wanting to, uh, what you're wanting to pay on a monthly basis and all of the pieces that go into that. And so that conversation, this first conversation is very much trying trying to get a feel for what your expectations are. And then at the same time, I'm setting up your expectations for, you know, what we're going to need from you throughout this process to meet this closing date. Because John's going to help you uh, work with the uh, listing agent or with the buyer to set up a time frame. You know, obviously, right now with as busy as everything is, appraisals are things that fall into an, fall into an equation, right? Um, for the most part, you're going to be dealing with John and myself for you know, six weeks or so, um, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe a little bit faster if it needs to be that way. Uh, but we're going to kind of walk you through what steps are going to be happening, uh, in that process. And that's something that I talked through with you very much on an initial meeting, just so you don't have any surprises here during this time that we're spending together.
0: And kind of, kind of jumping onto that, um, When you have a mortgage broker, you really got to make sure you have an agent that uh, can communicate uh, really well. I mean, um, uh, Josh and me, we we text each other, we call each other on a regular basis. We have, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert in what he does. And uh, I want to call and be like, I want to double check on everything um, to make sure you don't have any problems in the end. Uh, and also at the very beginning, he's going to talk to you about setting expectations on what your monthly payments are going to be like, uh, and then we're, me, you, are going to have a conversation. Well, you're pre-approved for $300,000. Uh, after you talked about everything, your monthly payments, you're more comfortable doing that $250,000 range. Uh, when we come down to it uh, with the current market, how it is, I'm going to start you off and be like, you know what? You're looking at the two hundred fifty thousand dollar range, trying to keep your payments at that point. We need to be looking at houses in that uh, two thirty to forty range, and we can we can creep closer to two fifty, but most of the time, unless it's a closed deal where I'm able to sneak in and um, call, call a renter that's uh, a rental owner that said, oh, I'm actually looking to sell this house, like well, it's on the market, we can go and get it without having a bidding war going, or we have, uh, I, had, I know of a seller that's like, I'm testing it out, I don't want people walking through my house during COVID, I can bring you to that house and we can get you that 250. But in most cases right now, we're going to have the escalation clause and different things like that, that are going to bring up that price. So going back to that 230, I'm going to be communicating with you. I'm going to talk to Josh be like, okay, they're pre-approved for $300. Um, well, let's look at the 230 range. We're going to probably put a house, like normal house, we're going to say, we'll, we'll write our first offer um, with the, uh, the uh, escalation clause going up to 240 or $245. Um, it's not unheard of for houses to go $10,000, $15,000 over asking right now. If we can get it for less, great. That's how escalation clauses work. Uh, But it's setting that expectation and not putting you in a position that you're going to regret. Because I don't want to, we don't want to see you put in a position where you're now having trouble doing some of the things you love. You want to be in that 250 range because you love to travel. You want to have that extra payment. You go to Colorado and ski. You go Uh, hiking in the black hills you go deep sea fishing once a year with your family Um, sign
1: me up for that (laughs) no i think too one thing i want to point out really quick in this conversation is um again i I alluded to some of the prepay items but you're going to get a fee sheet for every offer that you're making with me that gives you a true understanding of what you would be bringing to closing, you know, to closing, on a house where you're putting 10 percent down, where you're putting 20 percent down. Um, to make numbers simple, if we're talking about a two hundred thousand dollar house, right? It, if you're putting 10 percent down, you're not just bringing twenty thousand dollars to the table. We talked about the fact that you're going to have to fund an escrow account, which means one year insurance premium plus a couple months and then, you know, between 6 and 9 months of your taxes. You you need to figure all of that in too when you're making that offer and it's important to not have any surprises. And so we're going to have those conversations. Make sure when you're making an offer you fully understand what that means to you from an interest rate wise, from a payment standpoint, from a, you know, what what you're going to have to bring to the table at closing. All of these things you have to consider when you're deciding what you wanna make an offer on a specific property.
0: Exactly. And I mean, going off of those added costs um, with getting your mortgage, um, there's also costs that uh, beyond your down payment that you're gonna to have to pay on your house. Um, we're If we're able to get you an inspection on your house, those go for about $500. Um, you go for termite inspection, that's 90 bucks. You do a radon inspection and and do all these different things that add money that you have to bring to closing. This is not something that you can add to your loan, it's something, a lot of these are prepaid before your house closes. So that's setting the expectation with that, uh, is that do you have enough cash to do these inspections that you want and still keep the loan that you want and not have it affected?
1: yeah at the end of the day it's a fun time to be looking for your house whether it's your first house or your dream house you know enjoy the process and you know when you've got a a real estate agent at your side and then I mean my job basically at the end of the day is to make sure you don't have any surprises with your financing and we'll uh we'll make that happen for you but certainly enjoy enjoy this process it's a it's a fun time for you for sure
0: yeah, I would agree with that. That's why I love doing what I do and I'm going to continue doing it. Alright guys, well, we'll bring you some more information soon and, uh, hope this, uh, helped a little bit.